on this episode of Why Watch That. You know how we always talk about people who would cross the street? You know, yeah, we're you always talk about those people. <laughs> you know, you would cross the street too, Calvin. <laughs> Calvin, he, I, in my head, I was like, okay, it's like halfway through the century, and then it's one extra than half. So instead of five, it's a six. So 1856. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> As this hand is coming toward me, what is I gonna do? <laughs> I mean, uh, she she's coming for you now. You might need to slide under the table and get out of there. <laughs> I'm sorry, can I interrupt mm-hmm. you? You need to say Black Panther Party. Oh, okay, that too. <laughs> <laughs> Who would say that? Mr. Fred Hampton. Oh. He comes in and gets up on that pulpit and will say <laughs> more than the Black Panther Party. Okay. <laughs> Why Watch That as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome, Welcome to, to Why, Why Watch, Watch That. This episode of Why Watch That is supported by Entrepreneur Meal Plan. It helps leaders and professionals feed their bodies and business as well. You know, Critic, I got Mm. a chance to attend a wonderful event by EMP here Uh in Los Angeles. And it was so amazing because Brandy Cochran was able to gather people from all sorts of walks of life. We were able to gather together, have real talk and some real good food too. Mm -hmm. It was a hit. It's food for the soul and the body, which is so hard to find. So if you want to learn more about Entrepreneur Meal Plan, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, go to entrepreneurmealplan.com. A why watch that sneak peek? The Critic. And I got a chance to see a sneak peek. I want to make sure you know. Oh, the critic. Oh. And I got a chance to see a sneak peek of a movie coming out on February 12th. Now, this is coming to us from a very familiar director. Although you may not know that she directs. Yeah. Well, the movie is called Land. It is written by uh, Jesse Chatham and Aaron Digman. The director is first-time feature director, not first-time director, first-time feature director, Robin Wright. Yes, Claire is taking... <laughs> I was waiting for this moment in the film for her to be like, you know, I don't know, smoking. <laughs> A Princess window. Buttercup. Yeah, or yes, yes. <laughs> or 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 you know, Tom Hanks to come out of the bushes and go, Jenny. <laughs> oh, sorry, Robin, that's not fair. You are you're directing it, but guess what? You're also starring in it. So there you go. Yes. It um it now this is speaking of Tom Hanks. This is very much uh who's not who's not um uh you know the stranger to being a one man show. This yeah. is basically just about a one woman show. And Robin Wright is at the helm, both behind and in front of the camera. 
But along there with her, um, a very small amount of people come onto the screen, but namely Damien um, Bachir, who... Yeah. I just want to hug. I just want to hug him. I, I, you know how we always talk about people he would cross the street. You know, <laughs> yeah. We're you gonna always get talk to about it. those people. <laughs> you know, you would cross the street too, Calvin. <laughs> Calvin, he's. If I see him here in LA, I will politely acknowledge how brilliant his work is and leave <laughs> the room. But Damien is is such a beautiful soul and. Really, once we get into the plot and into the review, I don't think that's going to change. Now, Kim Dickens makes an appearance as well. And, and we, you know, we know her from, I know her a little bit from her television work. You certainly know her way more than I do. Mm-hmm. And then Warren Christie um, <laughs> makes a cameo, some cameos, mm-hmm. sprinkling here and there. And Bradley Lynn's also in it doing some good work um, uh, along with uh, Sarah Dawn Pledge. So that's really the. And the whoever cast. that nurse was. The, the nurse Dawn actor. Not, not her. No, oh. no. The one, the one in the hospital when she's looking for Sarah. You know, let me tell you something. The nurse in this movie and the waitress in Hell and High Water are sisters. Yes. <laughs> You don't want to mess with those two ladies. But um, in all seriousness, this is dealing with, to be honest with you, this season, dealing with a very familiar topic. Yeah. Very familiar topic and a very familiar premise. And it is impossible for us to separate, to, to, to meaning to not be able to, to not compare it to something also released. So you, you got to do it because it, it's it's right there. Um, and if you don't, I will. So how about you get started with what's happening here? Yeah, so um, Robin plays Edie. Um, we see her talking to, to Kim's character in the beginning. Uh, Kim's character wants her to do something or not do something very specific. What is that? You'll find out. But Edie leaves like New York City, leaves, goes away to the mountains to live. She got a cabin and, you know, outhouse and all other kinds of stuff alone. Now, she is guided up to her new residence. She has a a rental car. She tells the guy who guides her up there, played by Brad, um, can you get somebody to take this back? I don't want to see it. He's like, "Uh, it's not really advisable to be alone without transportation. No, take it. What is going on with Edie? Well, something tragic obviously happened in her life. We see she thinks about, is it her husband? Is it her son? All of that kind of stuff coming up in this movie. Does she want to deal with that? She wants to be alone on the land, but can she hack it? Does she have the skills to be alone in the mountains? Can she hunt? Can she fish? Can she create fire? All of these things are questions. And can she deal with the elements and wildlife? That's a question. Now something happens and she encounters two new characters. The good nurse, I'll call her, not the nasty one. And the other character, Miguel, prayed by uh, Damian. So essentially they saved this woman. Did she wanna be saved? Why did she need to be saved? 
okay? And how does she receive them? Now, over the course of the rest of the movie, we see how Edie and M Miguel, they kind of get each other at a distance, but how close do they get? And what kind of influence will Miguel have on Edie? Mm. What do they have in common as well? And in the end, what's the resolution? Because this is uh, the outcome of a tragedy. Now you'll see yeah. what that is. It's a major tragedy that we'll see at the end, it comes out. Does it land like the title says? So that's about as much as I can give you for that's the good. plot of this. Yeah. What yeah. I would say, I like, first of all, I like movies about people who are alone. I just do. I mean, Jeremiah Johnson, uh, <clears throat> you know, the American. I mean, talk about whatever you want. Uh, so this is in my wheelhouse. And what I liked Land the most is when it wasn't, there was no dialogue. Because I think the actual dialogue got in the way. Sometimes I was like, ooh, we could have less talking here or we should have different talking. So, like the whole uh, part when the nurse ref was saying one, one wouldn't do this. I was just like, ooh, I don't know about using that language there. So I was like, maybe change it, maybe have less or have none in certain situations. But I will say that, when Damian was talking, I was always cool. His character to me did a lot for this movie. I mean, Robin knows how to act. We know this. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's going to give you all of those beats. And especially when there wasn't talking, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed their relationship. You get a dog involved, all this other stuff. Yeah. So the journey through the movie for me, I liked it. I just think it had uh, some problems in the actual writing of it. Um, and you can compare it. I know where you're going to go. You can go ahead and of compare course. that, of course, to another movie. It is different from that, though, in my opinion. But you you take over, Ref. I, I think to a nuanced person who watches movies all the time, it's different. Mm -hmm. To the average, to our listeners who are just looking for something to watch, it's either or. There's no, unless you're into this kind of 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 movie and you want to see things like into the wild and this and you know this is like something that you want to see and and of course I'll tell you what that is let me give my take on the movie I like throughout Sundance and when you're dealing with indie movies and even first time directors I'm saying this again uh because I, I talked about it before listen for her to shoot in the elements of Calvary up there and they had 28 days to get this done. She or wasn't the original actress who was mm -hmm. going to be in this. Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, it, for her to do this as a first-time director, what a feat. Yeah. Like, what an absolute um, journey that she had to go on to get this thing off, to get it made. Yeah. You know, to actually get it shot. So that has um, that that is separate from what I'm saying. And when you have a first time director, most first time directors aren't like, well, I want to, you know, this to this ratio. I want this angle coming in. Let's use this. You know, let's let's take the take the shot. They're more of, especially an actor. They're more on the emotional life of yeah. what happens on and getting it done. <laughs> yeah. So, and, 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 you know, in my little tiny experience of directing film, it is a matter of like getting things done and you do lean on your cinematographer or your first or second ID. All that to say, 
the moments that the what what makes no man land work nomad land mm-hmm. work more than land for me is when you have emotional life and you're alone it's just you on the screen your ratio of what is happening in the screen and the person especially if there's like little things if if we're understanding the character through what she or he is doing then i need that camera closer i never felt like i was in it i didn't feel like i was in the elements i didn't feel like i was you know when it snowed i felt like um it we were getting through this story so we can get to this ending right and if you if and, and that emotional journey i wasn't able to get on to it because unlike the critic this i i i don't enjoy these movies as much because of my personality in that the people i know in my life and the people my culture and things like that have experienced extreme tragedies you kind of we have sometimes a mentality of okay do we have to go i ain't got time to go into the woods i ain't got time to chop wood i ain't got time to do any of that we have to survive and there's a there's a line in this movie that Miguel says to Edie is that only people who've never been hungry yeah think it's a thing to die honorably to starve right. that's it i mean you, honey you ain't been hungry right and i thought that really grounded the movie for me that one line drew me back in because with the camera angles and just all the little tasks yes going at this pace i didn't get into edie's psyche and the reason i knew why she was there but the real reason why and no man land did do it it did it, it and there is something to that and you have to compare the two i mean you may not but everybody else will mm-hmm. all of hollywood is going to compare these two movies two women in in an age with a severe tragedy go off the grid and survive and we watch them try to survive and how to move through relationships when they still want to be independent of the world mm-hmm. that's that's the plot of both movies so with that being said beautiful chemistry between Edie and Miguel those characters um i just wanted to be engrossed and into this movie because as the critic said we are thrusted in i mean claire makes a decision Yes. And she's out and throwing away cell phones. <laughs> yes. She throws away her cell phone. She does. And we know she has a family. So I didn't know what, I just felt like it was rushed. But I have to applaud Robin Wright for doing this kind of film for her first feature. Um, it's feature, um, Focus Features is releasing this on the 12th. Now, you can give your quick opinion, but I don't think this is something you need to venture out to go to the theater to see unless this is absolutely 100% your thing. Yeah, um, and and as someone who this is my thing, I'm not no see I don't like into the wild that much. I'd rather watch land. Um I wouldn't go out to see it. This is not it's not that kind of movie. Um Well, you wouldn't go out to see anything. <laughs> I mean if I were to go out, this wouldn't be it. You know, this would not be the movie. It, I think it would be a better experience at home if you're going to watch it. So there you have it on February 12th. Um, you're going to have to figure out what this means to you listeners. We definitely know that they're going to be campaigning for yeah. um, Robin and cast 
got to give it to them. Robin and Cass to be among the conversation with awards. So maybe it's coming to our homes massively much quicker than we think. Another why watch that sneak peek. The critic got a chance to see a sneak peek of the new movie, The World to Come. Whoa, it's an apocalyptic movie, isn't it? And now, it's well. not. <laughs> well, well. Uh, this He got a chance to see this at Sundance. It was an offering there. And um, I missed my screening, so whoops oh. to that. Um, it is coming to us from Bleecker Street. So we know it's going to be in the theaters at some point. We hear on the 12th of February mm. and then wide on the 2nd of March. Um, yeah, digital, they say. Or digital. Yeah. So, mm. I mean, you can figure out how to do that yeah. digitally. Uh, this comes to us. The directing is by Mona Fastfold. Now, I don't particularly know her or know her off the top of my head, but she does have some credit, I'm sure. And not only did well she directed it but the screenplay is by Ron Hansen and Jim Shepard and it's based on Jim's um, The World to Come uh, it's based on his work mm. Vanessa Kirby hmm, we know her yes The Crowns Vanessa Kirby can, can we say that still she's done so much work I don't know um, I don't know it, like the last I Mission feel, Impossible and yeah and then this uh, the one you saw with her and uh, Shia LaBeouf. Yes, Pieces um, of a Woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's done a lot of work, but Vanessa Kirby is in it. Um, Catherine uh, Waterston is in it. Christopher Abbott, who's showing up all over Sundance this year. <laughs> He's there along with blah, 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 Casey Affleck, who's also a producer on this. Mm-hmm. Um, this is... Now... I know for you, you don't like comparing movies as far as like, you like to say, if you like this, then like that. And we do do that. Mm-hmm. But I like to do the apples and oranges because some of the listeners out there are like, okay, what are you really saying? And so it smells like a movie that we just saw not too long ago from the great, uh, you know, Shesha Ronan and <laughs> Kate Winslet. Oh. It, only in that it's a period piece mm-hmm. during a time when certain relationships were forbidden. Yes. And so in order to move forward in any way of those relationships, it was complicated mm-hmm. in a man's world. So now that it's the a world man's world. Hey, well, you know, uh, now that we know that. <laughs> Give us this plot, critic, and then you just let us know if this is something that we really, especially if we liked the movie that I'm alluding to, that I'm sure you'll go into. Am I right? Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, if this is something for us, does it move us? Mm-hmm. You know, is this? Are, are we gonna go into the theater to see it no. on the twelfth? Okay. Well, <laughs> why? Just wait till March second if you if you so dare and do it vig- digitally. I mean, why? And, and I'll just tell you now: if you like Ammonite, yeah, why not watch the world to come? Now look, <laughs> here's the plot. Ooh. So we're like in 1856 or something. Wait, oh, it's 56 or yeah. something? That's so specific. <laughs> I, I think that's literally what it is. Because sometimes, let me tell you something, Ref. 
<laughs> when I am watching all of this stuff, I really pay attention to that to have landmarks so I know what I'm talking about. So in my <laughs> head, I was like, okay, it's like halfway through the century and then it's one extra than half. So instead of five, it's a six. So 1856, anyway. <laughs> like that matters it doesn't but it helps me it helps you know me. well thank you thank you appreciate all your hard work so let's say it's 1856 and they're like somewhere i don't know it's upstate new york somewhere like that and there are farms and we have two married couples one married couple is played by katherine waterston and casey affleck Abigail and Dyer, and we meet them first, and they have experienced a tragedy. I won't tell you what. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, they did. It ain't good. Mm. And can they pick up the pieces of their marriage after this tragedy? Yeah. That's really the question. And we hear over a voiceover from Abigail really what that experience was. So they've gone through this, and, and then they like go to church or something, and they see another married couple played by Vanessa and Christopher, Tally and Finney. Oh. And, you know, so Dyer has met them before. He tells his wife, he tells Abigail, you know, that's who they are. And we see what Mona shows us is Tally and Abigail, like, no, look. They are way too far away <laughs> to have a look and like get butterflies, but something like that happens. Like there's a look that they share. Oh boy. Okay. okay. So eventually these people meet. So, uh, you know, Abigail uh, meets Tally, her husband, Finney. They get together for a dinner. Um, but of course, Tally and Abigail, they form this friendship. What about the husbands? And what are the dynamics of these marriages? Because Dyer is a quiet guy. He's kind of, you know, lets his wife do what his wife needs to do. But Finney ain't the same. Mm. Because Tally doesn't want to do the work around the house that he wants and so on and so forth and do her other wifely duties. And oh. there is a problem here in their marriage. There's a problem. She can't give Finney what he wants. He will quote the Bible to her and tell her what the Bible says about what wives are supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. mm -mm. But she might say, well, he missed some passages in the Bible that apply to him. Okay. Well, they got uh, a nasty marriage, which contrasts to the other. Okay. But you know what happens if you see the poster. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I yes. ain't giving it away. People's mouths get really close to each other. Yes, yes. And that's between Tally and Abigail. So we see, okay, how is this going to play out in 1856 out on some farms and all of that? Mm. And they're dealing with harsh elements and all this other stuff is happening. And in the end, there is a tragedy, but I won't tell you what it is. I can't no, do boy. that to you. Don't do it. That's enough for this plot. Let me, let me tell y'all this. If we think of Ammonite Ref, you and I will always remember <laughs> Fiona Shaw in that movie <laughs> with Kate Winslet. Listen, if she slips her hand across the table, you need to make, at that point, you need to make a decision. 
as this hand is coming toward me, what is I going to do? <laughs> Will I grab it? Will I pull mine away? Will I let her put hers on top? I mean, uh, she she's coming for you now. You might need to slide under the table and get out of there. <laughs> because there's so much heat. Yeah, yeah. You see, yeah. I thought of Portrait of a Lady on Fire, mm. which I saw not too many years ago. No, it was at that, New York it was Film like Festival. A couple years, yeah. yeah. In that movie, when these women meet, there's a spark. Oh. Okay? And there is more in the story that are obstacles. In mm. this movie, I didn't get the spark. I just didn't oh. get it early on. I was like, okay. These marriages, I didn't quite buy it. Uh, it was hard for me to buy that Christopher Abbott was that nasty. Like the whole time I'm like, is he serious? <laughs> like, and it wasn't the acting. It was just the presentation was a little too tame until mm-hmm. you start getting to the middle of the movie. There was a scene. I will tell them this. Now, see if the whole movie were like one scene, there is a blizzard. That mm-hmm. whole movie should have been like that. There were stakes. There were people's lives on the line. You know, that was more of what I wanted from the world to come. Now, right. there are a lot of themes going on here that, of course, can come to now. What can women do? Or, you know, or women were hemmed in then. You were relied on by your husband. There's this whole thing about uh, they tell us that at the time, lots of husbands just killed their wives. So they get away with it. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So that's a whole big thing there. And the title is The World to Come. What world to come and when? And is that title still today? Are we still waiting for the world to come? See, all of that's there. And I appreciate that. And it's not bad. It's just that I have better examples of this because in those other movies, there was a scene when early on, when I'm like, oh, what is going on here? Where in this movie, I was like, okay, all right. So there you go. I mean, that's what we have. The world to come is coming to a theater. You have to search around again. It depends on what kind of situation your state or city is in on the on on February the twelfth, I think. Yeah. And then, um, if not, you can wait till the second of March and find it on video on demand. Really up to you. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself. Is this an adventure that will be worth me risking um, going out? Or should I stay in for this world to come? Another Why Watch That Sneak Peek. The critic and I got a chance to see a sneak peek of the new movie Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh, what a title. Yeah. I remember seeing this trailer when it first dropped and I thought, if I... If this is only coming to us at the theater, I don't know. Well, it is directed by Shaka King. What a great name, by the Mm -hmm. way. It's written by him as well, along with um, Will Beerson. But Keith and Kenneth Lucas did the story. So we have a lot of hands Mm -hmm. touching this. And I always like to say that because it's important to note this is coming to us um, produced, producing wise from Ryan Coogler and Charles. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, I just totally King. forgot his name. Charles King, yes, the King, mm-hmm. <laughs> Jack King. Are they cousins? Um, Charles King, who who is uh, you know the CEO and chairman of Macro. 
um, who's doing some amazing, beautiful stuff. Now, this cast, oh, 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 oh. this cast is, you know, one for the books. We've got Daniel Kaluuya, who is playing Fred Hampton. Yes, the Black Panther, Fred Hampton. And Daniel, you know, for the people, (laughs) is giving us his best, you know, Fred, but playing opposite of him is Lakeith Stanfield. Now, what a pairing. They're back together again. Mm-hmm. Um, remember, they were in Get Out together. This time, yes. they're in a very different situation. Somebody need to get out. Um, yeah. Jesse Plemons is also in this along with Martin Sheen, rounding things out. But Dominique Fishback, who we're just seeing a lot more of her, and I'm liking what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Ashton Sanders shows up. Yes. I don't know if you knew that. I mean, it was a brief moment. Lil Rel Howery (laughs) is also showing up. And when he shows up, you just better watch your back. I'm just saying. (laughs) You might get a, you might get a, 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 some kind of information that you may not want to know. He might might slip you something. (laughs) He might slip you something you don't want to have. And along with other people who do show up and who are there, who you know, very very familiar face, faces. Now, this is inspired by true events. It is not. It, it, it the title didn't say based on. It's inspired by, but we do have footage mm. of the real, some of the real folks. Because I don't want to say who does and doesn't. Yeah. survive out of this. I mean, you could look it up, yeah. but I say don't look it up. You don't know. We get some real footage of some folks who is um, making alt, you know, saying what he, what he or she, I'll just say that, is saying and uh, what comes of all of this mess. Now, why, Critic, mm. is this called Judas mm. and the Black Messiah? Why? One. Mm. Number two, we used to talk about the $15. Yeah. If we were able to do that, is this worth some sort of monetary exchange? Mm-hmm. How much is it worth? How do we do that? Right. Um, these are all questions that I think our listeners are kind of like, ooh, it looks cool. It, looks, it feels good. You know, it just feels cool yeah. to, to watch this. Um, and then last last thing I want us to tackle because we both saw it where does this fit in the zeitgeist of black historically um, historical fiction among black cinema and the yeah. black story the mm-hmm. black African American story yeah and and really that question about the $15 too is on HBO Max so would it be worth a month of HBO Max um, or going to the theater there you go uh, so it's the late 1960s. Um, but before then, we see William O'Neill, Bill, being interviewed. For what? Well, you'll find out. So they do a flashback and we see him infiltrate a bar and line him up. Okay? Why? Now, I won't give away exactly how that goes down in this opening scene. But he busts in. Does he bust out? Now, that leads to us discovering in a way that, again, I won't give away, that he's going to be an informant for the FBI? What? He has been 
recruited in an interesting way by Agent Mitchell, Roy Mitchell played by Jesse Plemons. Now keep in mind at the time, J. Edgar Hoover played by Martin Sheen was the head of the FBI. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with with skin and hair and oh everything else. Oh my gosh, that prosthetics. So you know something is up and it ain't good. So this is what Bill is tasked with. Infiltrating the Black Panther Party mm-hmm, for the FBI. They need somebody on the inside. Okay. Now, remember, Lakeith Stanfield is playing Bill. So he goes in. Now, the head of the Black Panthers at the moment. I'm sorry. Can I interrupt mm-hmm. you? You need to say Black Panther Party. Oh, okay, that too. <laughs> <laughs> You'll know why. The Black Panther Party. Well, that's going right from that. Who would say that? Mr. Fred Hampton. Oh, and we see he comes in and gets up on that pulpit and we'll say <laughs> more than the Black Panther Party. Okay. Played by Daniel Kaluuya. So now look, Fred is young. This man is like 21. Okay. Amazing. Like recruiting the heck out of people. And the thing about Fred is he is not simply trying to bring black people into this movement. It's radical. Very radical. Okay, he goes to Latinos at the time. He goes to some white people, too. I won't give white away. White supremacists. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, in the trailer. I'm sorry. It's that's okay. But, I, you know, he goes to a faction. You'll see exactly what that's like. So the thing, though, is Fred is an effective communicator, and he's enhanced by a particular woman who's looking at him in one of these talks. It's like, you know, you could improve a bit. Okay. <laughs> I got some ideas. And this woman is Deborah Johnson, played by Dominique. So we see how their relationship, how they enhance each other. As Fred is bringing people into this movement. I mean, this is it's frightening. Shocking. It's frightening to the FBI. Keep this in mind. If you can bring separate factions that they want to be warring together... That's a problem, which puts even more pressure on Bill. He's in there. And imagine your Bill, okay? You are with these people who embrace you. Has Bill experienced this before in his life? What kind of life has he had leading up to now? And based on who he was in this situation with these people who are becoming family to him, can he continue to rat them out? Can he let happen what he knows is going to happen and will be tragic and if he decides that he doesn't want that to happen does he have any power to stop it Hmm. and as we're watching him watch them are any of them on him oh well these hmm. are questions also for the black panthers okay how are they going to respond to police presence in the midst of all of this as well, you see all of this play out. Remember, this is the late 60s. If you know your history, you know, tumultuous. Yes. Period. And you, we also know that leaders of the Black Party, because Fred Hampton is the Chicago, like, yes. have been have been um, incarcerated and if not killed. So that sets up the tone of, are we going to take it anymore? Kind of. Exactly. I mean, look, Bobby Rush is showing up and like, you know, we get 
all of these people, people that you've heard of before. And the question I'll leave and not answer in this movie is where do they end it? Now, you know, Fred does not survive. We know this. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately. How is that in the movie? How do they work through it? How do all of these people, what is the resolution for them? And what does that mean even for us today? Who's the real Judas? Who's the real black Messiah? So there we go with what I can do with the plot. Well, you did a good job. I thought that was good. I appreciate that. Okay, now look. Yeah. I'm chuffed, as they say across the pond. Now. You know what? (laughs) You're doing great. (laughs) Now look, when I was watching this from the beginning, Ref, I was excited. I'd like the rhythm of it. I like the way that Shaka used music. Just the whole pace of it. The, the way it starts is interesting. You're like, oh, okay. Let me figure out who these people are. And if we're thinking about the Black canon, then, okay, is it Spike Lee-like? In certain places. Is it Steve McQueen-like? I would put Shaka's style somewhere hmm. in between. You get a li- you get some spice, you get some musicality like Spike. You get a little, it's not quite as hot though. It's a little, little step back, kind of like a Steve McQueen observationally. So that's okay. what drew me in from the beginning. And when you have Fred and Bill, Fred is recruiting, going out, go, 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 very clear. And Bill is the snoop. Just the two, that juxtap- juxtaposition of that, I found very interesting. And then you are, these questions are, why was Fred so dangerous? This rainbow coalition that Jesse Jackson had, he started, I mean, look look at this movie. Yeah. Look what was happening. Okay, all of that is there. And also you're thinking, what's the cost of all of this? And why does there have to be a cost? Now, in the movie, Fred goes to prison. You'll see this. Then I started, to me, it wasn't quite as sharp. I still thought it was good. I thought it was good. It just wasn't quite as sharp as the beginning. The pacing slowed. Exactly. So we we lost a bit of it because when you have that clear focus of what Fred and Bill are going after, very clear, it clarifies the movie. When things get murkier, then the movie follows suit as well. I will say that these performances are not impersonations. They are doing their interpretation of these characters. I enjoyed the performances. I enjoyed watching this overall, to be honest, despite any of the imperfections here. And I think that they, that Shaka, everybody, the cast, everyone involved did justice to this, which is a difficult thing to do. And I think if we're thinking about right now, Ref, I think that right now, hey, if you're thinking, should I go to the movie theater to see this? If this is something where you feel motivated by what, we, what we're talking about here, why not? Why not? It is cinematic. You will get, you know, your money's worth out of it. However, would you be able to watch it at home? Would you be able to watch it on HBO Max and get an enriched experience? Of course you would. So, you know, it to me, it's up to you where you would prefer yeah. to see this. Uh, of course, 
Um, so that's my take on it. Uh, again, yeah. there's so much here, Ref, to, to recommend Judas and the Black Messiah. Again, despite, uh, you know, we could quibble about do this, do that. Yeah. Right. Okay. So let me give my take. Um, this, to me, it's not Steve McQueen at all. It's the Hughes brothers for me. If you like dead presidents, book Eli, like it feels, it feels very much like a nineties, um, black power movie, you know, that I would give it spike in the Hughes brothers. Um, that's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. And it, there was a, um, coolness about it that I was saying before um, especially I agree with you in the first especially especially the first 45 to 50 minutes of the film the pacing getting to know who these two men are let alone the history that you know because most of us don't know about um, some of the intricate details and how the FBI you know some of this, these documents are being released now and then also we know that um Lakeith Stanfield's uh, character, he ends up talking about uh, this situation publicly and, and through a, 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 a documentary. So we really didn't know much about it. So it felt cool. It felt like I was learning something. And then when what happened at the middle, I really paid attention to this, the stories started to veer off to some of the other members of the party. We find this person standing his ground and going over here and then we meet his mama and then it's it starts to faction off into honoring the history but maybe not so much the story so that's where it started to lose me a little bit that's why i kind of compare like i felt that's what happened with dead presidents when i watched it it when i okay i'm dating myself i mean when it came out the trailer was cool it felt cool everybody had already you know malcolm x had already come out and just it just felt like yes i need to see this i want to see this and you know by the time you get to the end into the stories it starts to do a lot of factioning along with that i thought the juxtaposition between what we were seeing in the black panther party and what we were seeing in the fbi you're bringing up the question who's the judas who's the you know who really betrayed whom Mm -hmm. um who who's the bad guy who's the good guy in this um you know i i felt like those fbi scenes were it didn't feel like the same movie it felt madman ish or madman ish Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not just because of the clothing it just felt like they were in a different movie and so that kind of threw me off i really 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 enjoyed this movie when daniel is doing his thing not only in front of people and motivating people but also privately the the interaction between uh dominique's character uh deborah um that was beautiful work i have to say that i lost some words lakeith is a is a more introverted and you know his voice is down here and i said i lost some words and then i just lost some of daniel's literal words because he is you know not speaking in his native uh dialect and then on top of that he's got this boisterous bigger than life personality kind of guy that he is talking and i didn't get every word literally didn't get every word and that to me i was just like oh man i wanted it to go over the top Mm-hmm. But it didn't quite go over the top in a way that I felt like with Malcolm X. But did it do its due? Yes, it did. 
And I would say, along with the critic, this is something you go out to support. Is the theatric, theatrical experience going to be better than being at home? I, you're going to get the value out of it. Right. But you, if this is something that you would go to support and to be with the people who are also going out to support with that kind of communal experience um, there. Now you're all wear masks. So, you know, you have to figure out what that feels like. But if you do go to do anything for February, hello, mm-hmm. you might as well make it this movie um, to go out and see. If not, you can 100% enjoy this movie at home. It's going to feel good. You just have to get through some of the ups and downs of the movie. But that's what? Every movie? Right. So... There you go. This is coming out on February 12th. You can take advantage of your HBO Max subscription, or as the critic said, you can go to the theater as well. It's up to you. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.